today to worship. I have a quick announcement, just a reminder that two weeks from today on Sunday, June 4th, our summer gospel choir will begin. This is open to anyone age 14 and up, all ages, um, and we're just going to have a great time. We're going to meet at 930 in the morning downstairs in the choir loft, uh, the choir loft, in the <laughs> choir room, choir loft is behind me, choir room downstairs, 930. I know a lot of you are used to starting Sunday school at 945. This is just for a few months, and I will be, I promise I will get you out and into your classrooms by 10 o'clock. So just 30 minutes, and we will be learning, just going over some really easy, familiar, uh, favorite gospel songs that we will present during worship throughout the summer. So if you've got any questions, you can certainly come to me, um, or just show up in two weeks. I'd love to have you. Thanks. All right, well, let me echo that and saying good morning to you. It's good to see you today. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, we're honored to have our pastor emeritus with us worshiping today, and Brother Kenny's here. I uh, appreciate you being here, Brother Kenny. Been praying for him and uh, his precious wife, Marie, who's still in the hospital. Hope that you'll uh, continue to pray for her uh, in the days ahead. I hope you picked up a bulletin on the way in or were handed one as you walked in. Uh, all of the announcements in your bulletin are extremely important, so I hope that uh, you'll kind of familiarize yourself with that and, and make sure you have a chance to read through it. Uh, I want to highlight just uh, just two that are in your bulletin, one being that this afternoon at 2.45, uh, as many of you as will come, we're going to gather in the fellowship hall for a few mo uh, moments and kind of divide up into a couple of groups. And then we're going to go into some of our local communities and we're going to prayer walk through those communities. As we do so, uh, we'll be placing some information about our church. Uh, that, that little packet of information has our vacation Bible school invitation in it, has information about our new Spanish-speaking work that started here. Uh, it tells what our church uh, believes and the ministries that we have. It, it's just a, a, church, a, a little packet full of church information. And so we're going to be placing that at, uh, in, on mailboxes as we prayer walk this afternoon. And that's at 245. We'll meet here to divide up. And then we're going to get everybody back here by 5 o'clock. And when you come back at 5 o'clock, uh, we're going to have a, a, an ice cream sundae bar set up. So you can fix your, your own ice cream sundae. It's supposed to be a little warm this afternoon. And after you do your walking, you're going to be in the mood for some ice cream. And if you're like your preacher, you're always in the mood for ice cream. And uh, so we'll enjoy that together at 5 o'clock. Uh, and because we are doing that now, those of you that are part of our Romans uh, study that meets at 5 o'clock, you guys will not be meeting today. You'll resume next Sunday. And last but not least, we're uh, going to be having our preschool graduation this Thursday evening. Uh, one of the things that I've made a point to do over the last several months is uh, to spend at least one morning each week out there meeting the kids, meeting the parents. And uh, I want to tell you, these are some great kids uh, wonderful parents and grandparents that are dropping them off. 
they're all going to be here Thursday night. If you'd like to come and, and meet them, uh, about half of the families who bring their children to our preschool uh, are not affiliated with a church. At least they have not indicated in any way that they're affiliated with a church. So what a great opportunity to reach out to these young families. They're, uh, they're the grandparents, the kids, they're going to be here Thursday night, 7 o'clock. You're invited. So uh, I want to make sure you uh, have an opportunity to come. Thank you again for being here today. Let's take a moment to pray together, and then we'll jump into our, our worship. We'll continue with that. Our Father and our God, how good it is to be in the house of worship on this Lord's Day. And we come before you today with, with thanksgiving, uh, praising you, Lord, for who you are, praising you, Lord, for what you have done for us. Uh, you are good to us. You, you give us every good and perfect gift that we enjoy. And Lord, today we come on behalf of all of those who are, are not able to be here. Some are traveling. Others are not feeling well. Some are in the struggle uh, of their life. And Lord, we lift them up to you right now. Uh, you know who they are. You know where they are. And Lord, for those that are traveling, give them safety. For those who are not feeling well, we pray for health and restoration. For those who are just struggling today, Lord, who are fighting their way through uh, the situations and circumstances that they're in, we pray for peace and grace upon them. And Lord, we know that we have not gathered here in vain. We each are here by divine appointment with you. None of us are here by accident or coincidence. And so, Lord, we make ourselves available to you today. We pray, O Holy Spirit, that you come and just pour out your presence upon this place, that every person uh, within these walls, that as we worship today through song and fellowship and the study of your word, that our hearts are going to be touched, that we're going to be transformed more into the image of our Savior, Jesus Christ, because we have made ourselves available to you today. Have your perfect will, have your perfect way is our prayer in the precious name of our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You left the 
Let's go to the Lord in prayer. 
Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for everything you've given us, dear Lord. Dear Lord, you blessed us with so much. Now it comes to the time we give just a small portion back to you. Uh, bless it to your kingdom. Bless it to your glory. For your in name we pray. Amen. Well, now as we prepare our hearts and our minds to receive today's message, I invite you to stand as we sing together. creation suddenly articulate with a thousand tongues to lift one cry then from north to south and east to west we'd hear 
I don't know how many of you may remember, because it's been a long, long time ago now. There's an old gospel preacher by the name of Maze Jackson. Now, I don't know how many of you may have remembered Brother Maze. I, I, I liked listening to him just because he had a real rough voice. So when he talked, he talked like this. He was telling a story one day. He said he walked into a, a hospital room to visit a, a lady of, uh, that, that was there from his church and, and said she was under a lot of medication, said he had, he had kind of stopped in really quick and said she looked right past him and said, well, now who's that with you? He said, I turned around and I looked and said there, there wasn't a soul standing behind me. And he said, so I just thought real quick, well, what does the Bible say? So I told her, I said, this is... Mercy and this is goodness because the Bible says surely mercy and goodness will follow me all the days of my life. So I want you to know you were followed here today by God's mercy and by God's goodness. If you have your Bible, would you turn with me to the book of Micah chapter number 4. The book of Micah chapter number 4. And while you're finding your way there, I just want to remind all of you that are part of our family ministries team that we're having a... uh, meeting next Sunday we're having lunch for you guys uh, and we're going to be having a little time of discussion uh, while we're we're having our lunch and uh, we need to know how many of you are coming so uh, you can you can sign up on our on our website I think there's a place there but there's also a sign-up sheet out in the front foyer just jot your name down how many may be coming with you Uh, this is for everyone who's part of our family ministries team and if you are a children's worker, a children's volunteer, a parent of, uh, of our children, uh, we need you there because we're going to be talking a lot about what happens after Zach leaves. That's kind of what we're going to be talking about. So we need uh, you to be there and be a part of that conversation. That's next Sunday uh, during lunch, but we need you to sign up today. Let us know that you are coming. Micah chapter 4, we're going to begin reading in verse number 1, read down through verse number 5. Uh, as we continue our series simply entitled, God is Faithful. So let's look at that uh, passage together. Micah chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says, And it will come about in the last days that the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains. I will be raised, uh, it will be raised above the hills, and the peoples will stream to it. Many nations will come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of the God of Jacob, that we may, he may teach us about his way and that we may walk in his paths. For from Zion will go forth the law, even the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, and he will judge between many peoples and render decisions for mighty distant nations. Then they will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation, and never again will they train for war. Each of them will sit under his vine and under his fig tree with no one to make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. Though all the people will walk, each in the name of his God, as for us, we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever." Let's pray together. Father, again, thank you for the time that we have to sit at your feet and study from your inerrant, your infallible, uh, your inspired word. And we pray, Holy Spirit, just as you moved upon the heart, the mind, and the hand 
of the prophet Micah to pen these words, that now, Lord, you will move upon our hearts so that we may not only be able to understand them, but so that these words can transform us in the way that you intend for it to do. Lord, may your word accomplish its perfect work in each of us today. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit has to say. It is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. As we've been walking through the book of Micah, in chapter 1, we saw that Micah proclaims that God is faithful to judge the sins of mankind. God is never going to wink at our sin. Uh, he's never going to say, oh, that's okay, no big deal. He's never going to just let it pass because all sin is an affront to God. It is offensive to God. And so God is faithful to judge the sins of man. We also saw in chapter 2 that Micah spoke of God's faithfulness to call men to repentance Uh, that turning away from evil, if you will. Uh, In chapter 2, he calls the northern kingdom, whose capital is Samaria, and the southern kingdom, whose capital is Jerusalem. He's calling all of Israel in these divided kingdoms to repentance, to lay aside the idols of the nations that they have embraced that are around them, and to worship Him and Him alone. That, that repentance is required for God's judgment to, to, be, to, be, to be done away with or to be eased upon them. It, God's, God's judgment is there for those who are unrepentant. Chapter 3 was filled with a warning that not only would Samaria's northern kingdom... Uh, or, or the northern kingdom and Samaria be destroyed, but also, ultimately, the southern kingdom, whose capital is Jerusalem, they too would be destroyed. So chapter 1 and chapter 2 uh, kind of give us these warnings. Now, thankfully, God did, at the end of chapter 2, kind of give us a, some good news, that there's going to be a remnant that's going to be reserved, that God's got... God's got a place for the righteous, that he's going to protect the righteous even in the midst of difficult times. But now we turn into chapter 4, and it opens with this stark change in tone and a stark change in direction. In chapter 4, Micah is pointing to God's faithfulness, that once his wrath has fallen, once sin has 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 been repented of, that God is faithful to restore. He is faithful to restore. This chapter opens pointing to a future time in Israel's history. The the term, the last days, we read about it in verse number 1. The last days actually began with the ministry of Christ here on earth. That's when the last days began. But there's going to come a time when even the last days will come to an end. We know that because the Bible tells us so in in the book of Daniel and also in the book of Revelation. 
Even though Jesus has been resurrected and he has ascended to the Father, his ministry still continues today. And it's carried out through the the work of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament church. So the ministry of Christ that was begun with his, 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 his mission on earth is still underway. It's still being carried out. But it's being carried out through the body of Christ who is the, the New Testament church. And I'm proud to announce to you today that Jesus is still in the business of calling people to repentance. And he's still in the business of offering salvation to anyone and all who will come to him in faith. So I want you to understand that the ministry of Christ, though it began in his time here earthly, it has not ended with his ascension to the Father. We are still living in a day of grace. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that we're still living in the day of grace. When God is still uh, calling men to repentance, still calling men and women to salvation, still calling people into his kingdom. However, the prophecy that we read here and is given to the people of Israel point to a time that is yet to come in human history. Uh, it's, it's not yet happened, but there is a, a designed and designated time that we know of as the millennial reign of Christ that will one day take place on earth. It might, it, it's not that it might take place or could take place or even should take place. It will take place. The Bible tells us that there's coming a time that at the end of the seven years of great tribulation that's spoken of in Revelation chapter 4 4 through 19, that Jesus is going to come and set up his reign here on earth. And as he does, he will take his rightful place as the ruler of the world in the city of of Jerusalem, and he will reign for that millennial time, that that 1,000 years, he will reign from Jerusalem. And we're going to see that it is in that, in that looking forward to that great millennial reign of Christ that we have a promise that God is going to be faithful to restore. So as we Look at this promise of restoration uh, that God is making to the nation of Israel. I think there's some truths that we can glean from this. And I want to do this very quickly. uh, But I I want you to listen carefully because it's important that we understand these things. One of them is simply this, this. This first promise is that God's going to restore what's been crushed by judgment. Now, it's it's as good as done... Uh, by the time we get toward the latter end of Micah's prophecy, what, what, our, what we, we learn from history and what we, we learn from God's Word is that Samaria will have already fallen. The, the northern kingdom will have already been uh, attacked. The city will have been destroyed. The people will, will have been taken captive. And now all sights are turned to the southern kingdom, which is where Jerusalem is the capital. And, and, and as chapter uh, 3 is closing, we are, we're, we're seeing that God's saying there's going to come a time when Jerusalem is going to be in ruins. 
that because they will not repent, God is calling for His people to come to a place of repentance, to lay aside their idolatry, to lay aside their uh, their their apathy and their spiritual uh, lackadaisical attitudes, and, and and to set aside all of those things and repent and worship the Lord their God. But even in the midst of knowing that judgment will come if they don't repent. We know because history tells us that the people of the southern kingdom continue to revolt. And we do know that Jerusalem was ultimately uh, captured and the temple destroyed. And when we close chapter 3, that's what we see. He tells us Jerusalem will become a heap of ruins. And so we know, because history tells us, that this takes place. The purpose behind the destruction in Jerusalem was God's judgment on the rebellion of His people. God's greatest judgment is seen when He withdraws His hand of protection from His people. Folks, we said it last week. I think some, one of God's greatest judgments is that when He gives us what we want. When we tell God and we, we, we think we're self-sufficient, we tell God, I don't need you anymore. I've got it from here. I can handle my finances, thank you. I can, I can raise my family, thank you. I can handle this, my relationships, thank you. I can take care of my situations, thank you. God, I don't, I don't need you anymore. I believe God's greatest wrath is to say, I will give you what you want. You want my absence? You want the, la- the withdrawing of my hand? I will give you what you want. We know that that takes place here in, the, in Jerusalem. Uh, we know that it is, it is, it's exactly what we're, we're watching transpire in front of us, that God withdraws His protection. Through their actions, the people of both kingdoms had declared that they no longer needed God and God had stepped back and allowed them to to see that He was the one true God, that these false gods could not rescue them, the false gods could not give them peace and could not bring them victory. They had replaced the one true God with the false gods of their day. And now God has withdrawn His hand of protection. And, and they have been crushed under the weight of judgment. Now, now understand this. It wasn't God who destroyed the temple in Jerusalem. It was God who, who allowed the enemy to destroy the temple in Jerusalem. But that allowing to, uh, the enemy to destroy that was based on the fact that the people of God had told God, leave us alone. And God had withdrawn His protection. Now the enemy has come and torn Jerusalem to pieces, torn down the walls. They have destroyed the temple. The, Jerusalem's been crushed under the weight of judgment. There are a lot of people today that have wandered away from God. And they have drifted into serving the man-made gods of this world. They have embraced self-sufficiency. They see themselves as the, the master of their, of their world and the master of their, of their life. And, and they've, they've pushed God to the side. And as a result, through their actions, God has granted their wishes. And for many, God has simply just withdrawn His hand of protection. They have proclaimed, we no longer need God who gave us life. And God has said, I will withdraw my protection. I'll show you just how self-sufficient you truly are. 
And as a result, there are lives that are in devastation today, in financial ruin, in marriage collapse, in broken relationships, in, in their addictions, and, and all these other things that, that are, are wreaking havoc and destruction in their life. Many have brought that on because they have said to God, I don't need you. And so there has been destruction in their life because of judgment. Someone here today, you might be caught in the devastation of God's judgment on your sin. Or you may be caught in God's devastation on the sins of someone very close to you. But God has promised there's going to be a day when He's going to restore what has been crushed by judgment. There's going to be a day when He's going to restore what has been crushed by judgment. He can rebuild what the enemy has torn down. We serve a God who can restore broken things. We serve a God that can build back up what judgment has destroyed and left in a heap of ruins. God promises that in His time that one day He's going to restore what's been crushed in judgment. And I, I hope that brings you some, some, some relief today. I hope that brings you some peace today. I hope that brings you some, some hope today in knowing that if I've, if I've stepped away from God, if I've, if I have rebelled against God and I have told God, I don't need you anymore. And I've, I've stepped off into my own wandering in my own desert and God has allowed me to reap the, the harvest of my rebellion and my life now lays in ruins. I've got good news for you that when you repent and you return to God, He has a way of rebuilding what judgment has crushed. And today He can put those things back together in our lives. He, He, He promises that He can do for us what, that no one else can do, that He can, He can bring back together what has been Destroyed, But there's a second promise that he gives us in this passage of Scripture. Not only can he restore what's been crushed under judgment, but he can restore with what's been corrupted by the wickedness. The house of God had been corrupted by the wickedness of the priest. Here's what we, we know because Micah has already explained it to us. Instead of preaching the truth of God's word and calling God's people to a place of repentance and calling God's people to a place of, of, of devotion to, to the God who gives them life, to the God who has provided every good and perfect gift to them. But instead of preaching that message, they, many of these, 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 Prophets, many of these priests have chosen to preach a false message. Instead of proclaiming God's judgment on sin, they had proclaimed that God was perfectly happy with their rebellion. As long as the money would kept coming in from the, from the corrupt leaders in government and, and the corrupt leaders that were in business, as long as the money kept coming in, they kept proclaiming that God was okay with the way they were living. Go ahead and go ahead and do what you're doing. Go ahead and oppress the poor. Go ahead and, and, and cheat your neighbor. Go ahead and steal if you must. But just know that God's okay with it. That was the message these false prophets and even some of the, many of the priests have been preaching. And now chapter 3 closes with the temple being reduced 
to rubble because of the false message that had been proclaimed. The house of God had been corrupted and now it had been demolished. And today we see the institutions that God created to bring Him glory, that they've been corrupted by the wickedness of man. We see many the uh, the churches that that claim to uh, to walk under the banner of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, but yet they proclaim the God of money, and they proclaim the God of wealth, and they proclaim the God of uh, of prosperity instead. They preach a false gospel. They preach a gospel other than that man is broken and man is sinful and man needs a, re- a heart of repentance toward God and that God is, is a lover of men and God is one who, who chooses to hear the prayers of those who come to him in faith and in repentance and, and he hears those prayers and he answers those prayers and he gives salvation to those who pray. But because there is... So much in the wings of corruption and wickedness that has taken over the things that God was using to bring Him glory. Now we see that those things are being broken down. Not just the houses of worship. We were, we were talking this week, a, a new study just came out by our own convention. And what they show is that prior to the, the, the rise of COVID and all of that happened back in 2020, that the average Southern Baptist church in America was averaging somewhere around 80 people on Sunday morning. That's the average. Now think of the, the churches that you know of that may have several hundred or even thousands that attend that are Southern Baptist churches. How many more must be meeting with uh, a dozen or fewer to bring the average down to 80? But what they have discovered is that since COVID, since the reopening of culture and society in America, the average Southern Baptist church size now is 64. Does that tell you something? We could barely average 80. Now the average is 64. Folks, I I want you to see there's some things that's been corrupted. Marriage was created to bring honor and glory to God. To be a beautiful picture of His relationship between the bride of Christ and the groom. To be a beautiful picture of that that building of, of that familiar relationship where the two become one and and the family grows and and it brings honor and glory to God and and that's what family was intended to be that's what marriage was intended to be but that institution's been corrupted it's been torn apart redefined renamed relabeled many of the things that God created to bring him great glory now has been corrupted and no longer brings him glory. But I've got good news for you. I praise God that one day the Bible tells us that the truth of God will restore what the wicked of mankind has corrupted. The Bible tells us that there will come a day when his glory will shine forth and his truth will be heard once again. 
that he's going to restore what the wickedness of man has corrupted. Jesus is going to right the wrongs, reset the standard to what it was always intended to be. And these institutions that God has put in place will one day glorify him again as they once did. Truth is going to ring out from every house of worship. And even the leaders of this world will recognize that Jesus is the real king of all kings. And that leads us to that very final promise. You see, not only do we see that God is going to restore what's been crushed by judgment, and He's going to restore what's been corrupted by wickedness, but then He tells us in those last, those last verses that we read that God's going to restore what's become combative because of our selfishness. The sin of... The sin-driven selfishness of man has produced conflict after conflict since the fall of man. Man has become so narcissistic where we are the center of our world now. We don't think the earth revolves around the sun. We think everything revolves around us. And that we are the center of the universe. We get to determine what is right, what is wrong. We get to determine what is good and what is bad. We get to determine... What is in its place and what is not. We've become the center of our own universe. And as a result, conflicts arise. And Genesis chapter 3 records that, that men's fall into to, to, to sin. It, it, it shows us mankind's slide and rebellion against God in, in, in chapter 3 of Genesis. But listen, we don't even get to the end of chapter 4 and Cain has already killed his brother. Because sin breeds conflict. It's natural. We become selfish when we're sinful. It's all about us. It's all about us. What I want, when I want it, how I want it. It's all about me getting what I want. And if you don't want what I want, then you offend me. And you're the one in the wrong and I'm the one in the right. It's all about me. And, and that breeds conflict among people. It breeds conflict among nations. And by the end of chapter 3, or by the end of chapter 4, we've got our first murder on our hands. And by the end of chapter 6, man is so full, is so full into the self-destructive mode that the Bible says this, that God says, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on earth and that Every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. We've only gone years from the fall of man. And every man has, has become so full of himself that all he can think about is himself. Self-sin breeds selfishness. And selfishness breeds conflict. Envy, jealousy, strife, greed... And selfishness pits every man against everyone else. Even in Micah's day, greed and selfishness drove men to abuse their own countrymen, to oppress their own people. But I want you to know that the Bible tells us that there's coming a day when, when everyone will be able to, to be in their place without fear and that those, those swords are going to be beat into plowshares, and never again will they train for war. Never again will they train for war. God is going to restore that has become combative because of our selfishness. 
I'm looking forward to that day. uh, Those of you that have members in the military, aren't you glad that one day they're not going to have to put the uniform on anymore? For those of you that, that, that have members who are, uh, are part of our, uh, our police force, aren't you glad there's going to be a day when they don't have to strap on the, the sidearm anymore? That there's going to come a day when God's going to restore that which the selfishness of men has made combative. All the weapons are going to be laid aside because the Prince of Peace will usher in a reign of peace among the inhabitants of His kingdom. Folks, here's the good news for today. Yes, things look bad. Yes, things look dark. Yes, things look bleak. But we serve a God who is faithful to restore. If you're in that place right now where in your own life it seems like the weight of of God's judgment against your rebellion against Him is weighing heavy, can I give you the good news? Number one, if you repent of your sin and you you turn to Him in that means and in that heart of faith and repentance, the Bible says He is faithful and just to forgive you of all sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And He'll begin restoring you even now. But as we look around and we see what judgment is crushing and what wickedness is corrupting and what sinfulness is making combative, the good news is one day God is going to restore all things again. One of my favorite passages of Scripture talks about, and he shall wipe every tear from their eye. The very last tear that you'll ever shed, he's going to wipe it from your cheek. And you'll need not share those tears anymore. You know why? Because the God who is faithful has restored that which sin has broken. That which has been corrupted. That which has been made into rubble because of our sinfulness being put together again. So today, here's the way I want to end our time together. And before we go into our conference, I want you to know that the God of heaven is working even now to make all things new. He's working even now to make all things new. I want you to know that that, in, that, also, that, that making all things new involves restoring what judgment has crushed in your life. That, that making all things new includes restoring what wickedness has corrupted around us. It involves restoring what selfishness has made combative. And here's what Micah says, and here's what I, I call upon us to do today. Here's what Micah says, and until that day, until the day when he makes all things new, until the day when restoration is complete, I'm going to walk in the name of of the Lord our God. Folks, that's what we need to be doing today. Do I believe judgment will befall the country we're, we're living in? Absolutely. Do I believe judgment will one day fall upon all those who are corrupt and who, who sow wicked, wickedness into our culture? Absolutely. But I also believe that one day God's going to restore And until the day of restoration, let us walk in the name of the Lord, our God. In just a moment, we're going to stand. We'll sing, have our time of invitation. 
The altar is always open to you should you feel led to come and to kneel and pray. If you want someone to pray with you, pray for you. I'll be down front. But today's a great day. If you're sitting in that rubble of, of, the, of, of your own making, it's to cry out to a God who can restore, who can put the pieces back together, who can make what has been broken new again. Today, he, he's waiting on his people to cry out to him. It may be that today you're okay with, maybe, maybe everything's okay in your life right now. But it's just getting harder and harder to maintain that faithful Christian life because of the pressures that are around you. Today, I, I encourage you to, to ask the Lord to give you the faith, the courage, and the stamina to keep walking in the name of the Lord, your God, until the day he comes again. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you are a God of restoration. By our own making, Lord, through our own sinfulness, through our own selfishness, we have corrupted, we have broken, we have destroyed those good things that you've given to us. Homes are broken, relationships are broken, bodies are broken, lives left in ruin because of the sinfulness of our rebellion against you. But I thank you, God, that you are one who hears the prayers of your people and that because you are faithful to your people, you have told us that you are faithful to restore that which has been broken. Lord, I don't, I don't know what's broken in this sanctuary today. I, I don't know all of the, the hidden hurts. I, I, don't, I don't see all of the rubble that may be in each life. But you do. And I pray that even now those who find themselves in that place where sin has wreaked havoc upon them, where sin has brought in corruption and wickedness and combativeness, that right now, Lord, they find themselves at your feet and in humility and in faith crying out in repentance. And that, Lord, knowing and believing that you can restore. We look forward to that great day, Lord, when all things will be made new again. New heaven, new earth, new bodies for every believer. We'll walk and live under a king who knows nothing but goodness and grace and peace. Wars will cease. Conflicts will end. The brokenness that sin has left us with will be finally, completely, totally restored. Lord, help us until that day to walk in the name of the Lord our God. Move in these next few moments, Lord, to restore what only you can is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing together.
Thank you so much. I'm going to ask you to be seated for just a second. Uh, I believe this mic is still on, isn't it? Yes, it is. All right, Brother Mike, we're going to invite you up and uh, let you moderate us in moderation. There you go.